14 says, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in, with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be no means, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord's working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And Father, as we get into your word, I know there's a lot of things racing through my heart, my mind, Lord, but these are your people. You want to speak to them. You know them intimately, individually, one by one. And so, Father, we ask that you would meet us here. You settle our hearts, Lord, as we open up your word. We pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts, Lord God, in the supernatural. Lord, things that none of us know about other than what you know in our hearts, Lord, are taking place. And so we ask you, go before us now. Have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 14, you know, in this series of this chapter, is a couple of appearances of Jesus amongst individuals. And here he look at verse 14, he says, later he appeared to the eleven. As you look at John chapter 20, we see that there was a time that Thomas was not around. But here it seems to be that Thomas is around and, and this perhaps is a second appearance of Christ before the disciples. And look, it says here, as he appears to them and he, as he, you know, reveals himself to him as he's penetrated through the door or whatever, maybe he was knocking and nobody wanted to open up. Um, we don't know, but nonetheless, he appears before them. Look, as they sat, they were sitting at the table. And, and you know, right off the back, I want to say, look, us, we as believers, we get together. We are big on fellowship. And some people call Calvary Chapel, Calorie Chapel, because we eat all the time and stuff like that. Right. And so we sit at the table and here Jesus, though, he appears to them. And many times in your fellowship, the Lord appears to you. He's revealed in around, around that cornea time. Amen. And so we see that. But here, notice here, he says, hey, he appears to them as they did what? You got your Bible, right? As they what? They sat. I, I want to interact with you today. OK. And so here, look, he says, as they sat at the table. They were breaking bread. They were at their evening meal, according to um, other gospels here, as you see. But he says, look, look what happened. Jesus, as he appeared to them, he didn't just jump in and eat with them. But notice what it says here. He rebuked them. Why did he rebuke them? We must ask. It's two causes. For what? Unbelief 
and hardness of heart. Now I want you to see this here because it is very important that we see why Jesus reprimanded them. We don't see this word anywhere else in the Gospels spoken of, of Jesus reprimanding the disciples. But here we see, hey, he got at them because of their unbelief. Now let me ask you personally, as a disciple, how many disciples, how many followers of Christ here today? Show of hands. Remember those hands that went up because the question will follow later on. Uh oh. <laughs> I want to ask you one question first. What has God spoken to us? What has God revealed to us? And we just wrestle with believing Him, trusting Him. And here, as you look, hey, He says He rebuked their unbelief. Maybe it's time for us to pray, Lord, help our unbelief. You know, sometimes when you look here, you know, there, there's a, a couple of accounts. Mark chapter 6, you can go there if you wish. But in Mark chapter 6, verse um, 5 and 6, is a pretty interesting statement that we see here. As Jesus is in Nazareth, he says, look, in verse 4, it says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. Verse 5, it says, Now he could not do mighty works there except that he had laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their what? unbelief. Then he went about the villages into certain um, te teachings. And so here, as you look at this here, he marvels about what? Unbelief. There's only two accounts that the Gospels declare Jesus marveling about. One of them is unbelief. Here with his disciples, he rebukes them and says, hey, what's wrong with you guys? Look, these guys had been with Jesus three years out. He had already told them that he was going to raise up his body from the dead. Here he told them. They're hanging with him. They're seeing him heal sick people. They're seeing him raise the, the, the dead and, and the lame and all of these other people doing miraculous works right before their eyes. He sees him. They see it. And what gets us to a point where we still have unbelief. Maybe it's complacency. Maybe it's just going about this Christian walk day by day with the same routine. Oh, this is what I do. I got a devotional life. I get up, I read my Bible, I pray. And it's almost like you're punching in your clock with God. And it's nothing but, like Tozer said, a rut and a rev. You need a, you need a rot. You're going to be in a rut or you need a revival. And they said the only difference, he said the only difference between a, a rut and a grave is the depth. So what's going to happen? Eventually you die in a grave. But do you want, look, Christ said he, he come that you may have life and that more, what? Abundantly. So that means what? We, we shouldn't be just going, okay, God, this is here. This is what I do with you. This is what I do over here. 
But it should be life in our lives, right? We should believe God, look, beyond what the world says. We should believe God beyond even the naysayers or even the, the, the people that are wrestling with unbelief. Look, when God speaks a word to you, when you see God doing things as we know, hey, they, look, this is Calvary Chapel, amen? amen. We're word heavy here, right? We're students of the word. And we see this here, and if, if, if there's any truth to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God, then we should have the biggest faith around, amen? amen. And so here, as you look here, he says, look. He marveled at their unbelief because he couldn't do many miracles there. Don't you want to see God do miracles? Are you seeing God do miracles? Are you expecting God to do miracles? He still wants to do miraculous things. Maybe you're looking for it to be exactly the way it was in the book of Acts and the, maybe in the Gospels. But look, hey, this is 2013. And maybe God doesn't want to get into your mold of how you want to see him work. And maybe he wants to do something new. And maybe we're missing it because we're expecting him to do it the way we're outlining it for him. But here, as you look, you see him, them, he marveled because they're unbelief. But look here, go with me to Luke chapter 7. You know the story, the centurion, his servant is, is about to die. And he, Jesus here, he meets Jesus and he says, look, hey, verse 7, hey, if you would even just speak the word, my servant will be healed. If you skip down to verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the, the crowd that, that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, Jesus is marveled by this centurion's faith. Great faith. Trusting, knowing, hey, look, look, you don't even have to go to the house. You can just speak the word. Look, when you come, hey, you, you guys say you're having prayer meetings, right? Every Sunday here, look, when you come, come into the prayer meeting expecting God to do great things. If not, you're wasting time. I didn't say so, James said so. If you're praying and you're doubting, you're like a double-minded person. Hey, look here. This guy said, hey, just speak the word and he'll be healed. Now, as you look at this, continue on going back with me back into 16 of Mark. He says, hey, he rebukes them for their unbelief and what? Hardness of heart. Now look here. Hardness of heart is a choice. That's your choice. Oh, I don't know if I could believe God would, would heal my cancer. Oh, I don't know if I could believe God that, that you know, he, he can give me a job because after all, they say there's no jobs available. What does it matter what they say? 
Oh, you know, the church is this and, and, and they, oh, well, you know what? God's not saving people anymore. Where are you? Look here. Hey, he says, look. Hey, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after what? He had risen. Maybe that's our story. Because there is a count in, in 1 Corinthians 15. When you look, there's an account there that says, hey, there were many, there were over 500 people that seen Jesus. He was revealing himself, appearing, going from place to place, hey, for 40 days showing himself. Do we believe those accounts that had seen the risen Christ? Do we believe this here? Look, hey, then if we are going to believe this, look here. He says in verse 15, and he said to them, here goes the marching orders. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know the Bible doesn't say how beautiful are the seats of those that bring good news. It says how beautiful are the feet and here, literally, as you look at this word, he says, go into the world. Hey, it would be in the respect that literally is as you are going. You know what this means? You don't have to wait for Pastor Joe to say, hey, we're having an outreach. We're going to be going to preach the gospel in this place or that place. You can now look as you're going, as you're going to the grocery store, or if we were in Newark, I would say the bodega, <laughs> the corner store, as you're going to work, as you're at work. Oh, well, that would jeopardize my job. Who gave you the job? People at work talk about everything else. Why can't we talk about Jesus? People go through all kinds of trials, situations, and who are the first people that they come to? If you're wearing your Christianity on your sleeve, they're going to come to you. Because they know where hope is at. And here, look, hey, look here. I, I want you to simply understand, look, it's as you are going. But remember, it's not limited to just church function. How many of your children know, how many parents here, how many of your children know the gospel? That's awesome. Look here. It's very important that the little church, your home, the priests are taking the responsibility. Dad, step up to the plate, put the remote down, put pointing the orders down, and take responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility to teach your children the gospel. The big church flourishes when the little church is doing very well. And if you're busy at work, maybe you need to cut back some time. But it's your children. And hey, what vision do you have for your children? 
You know, America is very warped in their thinking. Hey, you know what? We grow up. You know, we get a nice house. We move out to a beautiful neighborhood. You know, we, we set up this college fund for our children. And hey, that's the American dream for our children. That's not the American dream for Christian children. We need to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord. College should be secondary. That's my opinion. But I'm not pushing college on my children. I want them to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They want to go to college? That's their business. If they don't, they'll be all right. Because they're living for God and they want God to order every step that they take. And here, look, hey, he didn't say go into the world and preach college fun. (laughs) He said go into the world and preach the gospel. Now, as you look, hey, what is the gospel? I know we go around saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves, hey, Jesus loves you. That is a true statement. But that is not the gospel. Hey. You can turn your Bible, if you wish, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we can see what the gospel is very clearly. In verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless your belie- um, you believe in vain. For I declare to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. That's number one. That he died for our sins. Look, hey, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hey, if you feel like you haven't sinned or you feel like we can talk afterwards. <laughs> you know, I was out at the Rockaways doing Sandy and, and one of the, star, the guys, I'm talking to them. And, and you know, when you're doing evangelism, sometimes you got to cut through the chase because there's so many people. And you know, I understand, you know, one-on-one and building relationship, but there's a good two questions that, that you could present to people and cut through the chase. Hey, if you died today, where would you go and why? You know how many Christians I asked that question to? Professing Christians, people that serve in the church. You know their answer? Well, I serve. I, I'm an usher. I give. I try to do the right thing. I live by the golden rule. You hear all these things. But none of those things will ever get any of us into heaven. Is Christ died for us. Secondly, when you look here, what does he say? First, hey, that Christ died for our sins. That's one. Two, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, verse four, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Do you believe this? This is the gospel. And that's what he's done. He has died for our sins. He has rose again from the grave to prove that he is a little fancy word. Propitiation just simply means that satisfies the wrath of God. He's done that. 
And look, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation for those who believe. Jesus loves your true statement. Never save anybody. People need to recognize, do you see, because, I, look, hey, you know what? You may be sitting here, hey, I, you, maybe you don't know Jesus. Look, I want to tell you something. You're worse than what you think you are. That's all of us. Oh, well, I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. But for the grace, be you and me. Let's not forget. Some of us have been saved too long. And we miss it. We forget. We get into our little circles here and we're sitting at the table too long. But here, look, notice here, as you look, he says, hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, what is preaching? Preaching is proclaiming. What are we proclaiming as we go about? Hey, if it's not the gospel, then we're missing it. Hey, John 3, 16, simply, hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But understand this, it's simply he died for the ungodly. And this is what we should be proclaiming. You know, this week I was in Jeremiah personally. And it was pretty interesting, as I'm in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20, you know the verse, verse 9, where he says, Hey, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. This is what Jeremiah is saying. I'm not going to talk about God no more. But watch what happens here. He says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, for I could not. Are you weary today? Are you weary today? I, I, I'm weary. I want to go every which way and preach the gospel. Now, I asked you, how many of you guys are followers of Christ? Well, how many fishers are here? How many are you catching fish? Because Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Has he made you a fisher? Maybe you're not catching anything. Well, do like Jesus said. Hey, cast your net on the other side. But fish. Fish. People are dying every day and going to hell. That's a reality. And there are people in your sphere of influence that you could touch that I'll never reach or never maybe even meet. But God has placed you with the greatest message of all. Look, hey, it's the best retirement package you can offer. And he's placed you right there. And you know what? Look here. How many people invited someone to church today? That's easier than sharing the gospel. Hey, will you come to church with me? And then just leave it to the responsibility of Pastor Joe. But if you're not even doing the easier part, hey, I would assume that we're not doing the harder part. Get out and share the gospel. Look, hey, the results are not for you. It's a commission by a great commander. It's a great commission by a great commander. And look, hey, if anyone has been in the military, I have not. But I understand enough to know that, hey, when you get marching orders, it's not, well, hey, I don't feel like doing it. 
Those of you who've been in the military know there's consequences. Well, I don't feel like it. Look, it's not a, a well, it, you know, go into the world if you feel like it and preach the gospel. Even Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say, hey, if you're an evangelist today, t- t- Timothy, go ahead and share that with somebody. It was D.L. Moody. Look, he, he made a commitment to share the gospel with one person every day. Lay down in his bed one day. And as he's laying in his bed, he realized, hey, babe, honey, I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to go back outside. He goes and meets this guy on the street. Asks the guy, do we believe in Jesus? Hey, he said, who in the world do you think you are? That's a personal thing. And he said, who do you think you are, D.L. Moody? And he said, quite frankly, yes, that's who I am. <laughs> now, he could have been turned down. But he shared, the, he kept to his commitment, he kept to his call. And here, as you look back in this passage, he says, hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? Every creature. Every creature. The creatures, the people that are in your house, the people that are next door, the people that are in the stores, the people that's in the gas station. Hey, you know what? Maybe you say, man, I'm on cruise control. I'm in retirement and I'm enjoying my life. Oh, really? What happened to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who lives, but Christ. Who, the life that I live is Christ who lives in me. I know an 85-year-old man. And he has the energy of a 20-year-old. And everywhere he goes, he's sharing the Christ with people. 85. 85-year-old man, not afraid to walk the streets of Newark. And tell people about Jesus. Not afraid to go knock on people's doors and say, hey, can I come in and, and, and just pray with you? 85 years old. And he's been doing it since the riots in Newark. 85. White guy. Yeah. Caucasian guy. Yeah. You say, what? Yeah. (laughs) But he's not afraid. He's going because you know what? God has told him to go. And he's being obedient. And here, look, going into the world doesn't just mean getting on an airplane and flying over to the Sudan. But going to the world is, hey, the world everywhere around you. And I just want to encourage you as we look at this here, look what happens here. He says, hey, he who believes, verse 16, and is baptized will be saved. Notice here. And he says, and he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, as you look at this here, hey, the, the, the emphasis here, don't miss this. The emphasis is on the believing. You believe? Now, what do you believe? It should, in, the, in the context, it's the gospel. It should be believing on the gospel because that's what you're going to preach, right? And so if that's what we're going to preach, that's what people need to believe on. As Christ, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody's getting to the Father except through him. We got a problem with that? Take it up with him. But I don't think he's changing for, for society or anything else. And here as you look and you simply see, hey, he says, hey, 
He who does not believe, notice he doesn't say who does not believe and is not baptized. But simply, hey, he who does not believe is condemned already. And as you see this, don't miss this, but verse 17, and he says, And these signs will follow those who believe. You know, in respect to that baptism, A.T. Robertson said this, The omission of of baptized with disbelief would seem to show that Jesus does not make baptism essential to salvation. Condemnation rests on disbelief, not on baptism. So salvation rests on belief. Baptism is merely a picture of the new life, not the means of securing it. And so we see, hey, even Paul simply said, hey, I didn't come and I'm glad I didn't baptize none of you except for a few. He said, hey, I didn't come to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And here, as you look, hey, he says, hey, those who believe these signs will follow. What are, going to, what, the, what are the things that's going to follow? It's pretty interesting as you draw this out. There's five things that he points out. He says, hey, they will cast out demons. We see these accounts in the book of Acts. In Acts 8, verse 7, if you're taking notes, 16, 18. And then chapter 19, verses 15 through 16. We see different accounts of demons being cast out. But look, we won't even see people that are demonically possessed if we just stay at the table, guys. But when you get out into the street, there are still people that are demon possessed that need deliverance. And look, those who go out and preach the gospel. God is going to empower you by the gifts of the spirit. To deliver people. From demonic possession. Yes. Well, you're kind of weird and charismatic. No. We need to correct the unbelief first. And here, as you look, you see here simply, he says, hey, they will speak with new tongues. As I looked at this, I thought it was pretty interesting because, hey, look, you know, first thing I thought of, hey, as new, as as we come into the Lord and a relationship with the Lord, this new tongue, you know what? We need to get rid of foul language. It's pretty interesting how many professing believers talk filth. And he said, hey, they're going to speak with new tongues. And here, as you look, he says, not only that, but look, hey, really look, as you simply look, hey, there should be a prayer language with you. The gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 and chapter 14, you simply see those things. Those gifts are for today, guys. And God wants to use those gifts. We just had our prayer meeting. We have our prayer meeting on the last Friday of the month. Hey, you know what? We're in the prayer meeting and a sister is praying in, in tongues. There's nothing wrong with that. And we kind of got him weirded out. You know, if you're all the way to this side with it, you're just as bad as those who abuse the gifts. Because we kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater. But there's a proper balance that I believe God wants to use. And hey, those gifts are lively. And if there's no gifts for today, then there's no church. Church is dead. And here as you look and you simply see, hey, not only will they speak in new tongues, even as they go out and and into foreign lands, they'll speak those languages even without taking classes and so forth. 
But he says, hey, and not only that, but they will um, speak with new tongues, verse 18, and they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be by, by no means hurt them. Look, it's not saying, hey, have a service and, and play around with this stuff. But you know what? You might go into a foreign land and drink something that's very poisonous as you're going about. And God will hear you and make sure it doesn't harm you. He'll keep you. And as you see this, don't miss this. This is very important. Hey, you know what? We see the account where Paul in, in Malta, you know, um, getting bit by the serpent as he's serving, you know, picking up some sticks and putting this thing he gets bit in Acts chapter 28, verses 3 through 5. We see that. But look, didn't harm him. And you know what? People might bite you. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? When they see your character, the way you maintain yourself, that you're not harmed by those things because it's just the love of Christ that compels you to go forward and share the gospel. It'll be okay. You won't be moved by what people say. You won't be moved by what people think. Because you have one to please, and it's your great commander. And here, as you look, in closing, as we think about this thing here, look, he said, look, hey, you will lay hands on the sick, and they will do what? They would recover. They'll be okay. Are you believing God in such a way, hey, when you come, and you come together, and you, put, you lay your hands on people, that God is going to heal them? Believe God for that. God is healing people. With physical sicknesses as well as spiritual sicknesses. And here as you look, I want to encourage you guys, don't miss this here. Look, he says in this wrapping up, notice here, they started off with unbelief. But notice what happens in verse 19. He says, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out. Do you see that there? That means they believed. Not only that, if you look at Acts chapter 1, they were filled with the Spirit. He told them, hey, tarry here until you be endued with power from on high. They started going out. But look here, I want you to also notice this. It was when there was heavy trials, persecution against the church, that that's when you've seen the, the church start to move. You know, when everything is comfortable and... You know, it's like it's you at a resort. <laughs> you don't want to go nowhere. You want to stay in your comforts. But oh, you know what? I believe in America, there's coming a day. That's right. <laughs> I, the, the foot is around the corner already. It's very ugly. But maybe it might be good for the church. And look here, look. Hey, they went out. We come in a lot of times, but are we going out? And here, as you look, they went out and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. I like this on many accounts because, number one, apart from him, you can do nothing. I like what Paul said, hey, I didn't come to you just with, you know, with word, but with word and power. It could be word heavy, but we need the power of God backing that word. And here as you look, hey, he said the Lord working with them. 
You know what? I need the Lord to work with me because I'm a knucklehead a lot of times. Lord, please work with me. I need help. I need patience. I need the people to see your love, God, and not my love. My love fails. My love is limited. But when the people can see your love, Lord, and and that I tell people the truth in love, and as you do the same, he'll work with you. He'll work with you. He'll pour out his spirit upon you abundantly, not in measure, as he said. And here as you look, hey, they went out. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Look here. We need the Lord to guide us. We need to come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm done with trying to do this Christian thing the way I want to do it. But Lord, you gifted me, you called me, you're using, you want to use us. And here as the body of Christ, look, hey, God wants to use you. Invite your neighbor to church next week, this week. Just an encouragement. You do with it what you wish. Share the gospel with somebody. One to ask God to lead you, show you who, one person I can share the gospel with. And instead of talking sports and, and media and all of that hook, look, hey, look for the open door. Ask God, to, are we asking him, God, give us an open door to share this. You told me to go. Hey, I know you didn't tell me to go with, a, with, with no opportunity. And here, as you look, you're going to see, hey, just as the Lord was working with them, he wants to work with you. I want to encourage you guys with this because, again, there may be even some people here today that have not believed on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they're looking. They're looking at the other people that have been here. And they're saying, look, what, what, hey, what passion do they have for God? And they're going to thrive over your passion for God. As you come alongside them, yesterday, I want to tell you the story. Yesterday, my son and I, we were, you know, I, I, had, I cut the grass yesterday, right? And I wanted to show him how to do it. And my wife, I didn't know, she was in the window. And she's recording this, right? And so every time I stepped back, he would step back. And every time I stepped forward, he would step forward. And that's what it should be like. You. And another individual, hey, discipleship, Yes. Going out, hey, if you can step back and don't share, you know what, they're looking at you and they say, well, you know, they don't do it. Well, you know, well. But if you model it, say, hey, guy, hey, a couple guys, you want to go out and share in Christ, you know? You start to see people one to the Lord. People get high off that stuff. And so here, I want to encourage you guys, look, hey, don't hesitate. Take the marching order, go forward, and be obedient with the Lord. He loves you. He wants to use you. And look, if there's anybody here today, look, we don't have to close our eyes. We don't have to bow our heads. Look, if you know that you don't have a relationship with Christ, and if you die today, you would spend eternity in hell, and you know that you need him, I want to encourage you, hey, slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Hope that's assuming that everyone is a believer here. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. We pray for this sister here, and then they'll come up and lead us out in a closing song of worship. 
Father, we just thank you. I thank you for my sister here who has just admitted, Lord, that she is a sinner and she needs you, Lord, to come into her life. Be her Lord and Savior. Fill her with your Holy Spirit. Lead her, Lord. Order her steps. Team her up with some godly women, Lord, that love you abundantly. And Father, I just thank you for what you've done here today. Go before this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.